This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick, in again this week for Libby Zneimer. Did you know that March is Pharmacist Awareness Month? We'll talk to the chair of the board of directors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association about it. And no one likes to clean their home, but is there a quicker, more efficient way to do it? The author of a new book on cleaning stops by for a chat. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The final and uncompleted film by the legendary Orson Welles finally has a home. Netflix has acquired the global rights to The Other Side of the Wind and will finance its completion and restoration. The movie's a Hollywood satire about a filmmaker attempting a comeback and stars John Huston, Dennis Hopper, and Peter Bogdanovich. Wells began shooting it in 1970 but never completed it and died in 1985. Research out of the U.S. suggesting nearly 60% of women diagnosed with early-stage breast cancer received more radiation therapy than needed. Early-stage breast cancer usually involves a combination of surgery to remove the tumor and radiation therapy. Studies have demonstrated that for certain women with the disease, more conservative radiation therapy can still mean a favorable outcome. You can read about the study in the Journal of Oncology. It's been touted as a cure-all, but does fish oil really help? Apparently it does. In a 2002 advisory, the American Heart Association suggested that omega-3 fatty acid supplementation was reasonable for those who've recently had a heart attack. This recommendation remains unchanged as the use of fish oil supplements resulted in fewer cardiac deaths. In addition, the AHA now advises supplementation to be reasonable for low-output heart failure, a disease affecting the heart's pumping function. And we say goodbye this week to a man we've had on as a guest on this program, Ed Whitlock, world record holder in the marathons, died at the age of 86. When he joined our show last October, days after setting yet another record at the Scotiabank Marathon in the 85 and older category, Libby Zneimer asked him to what he owed his success. I think really uh, it's uh, my parents, I think, good genes, they weren't athletes at all, but uh, whatever they they gave me, I think that's the major thing. Ed Whitlock passed away just a week after his 86th birthday. I'm Bob Comsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here at Zoomer Radio, we celebrate our pharmacists every week with a half-hour segment with the Ontario Pharmacists Association Thursdays on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. But did you know that March is Pharmacists Awareness Month? The chair of the board of directors with the OPA joins me now. Sean Simpson, why do we need a month for pharmacists' awareness? 
Well, I, th- I think the awareness piece is more that there's more that we can do that, that many people may not be aware of and that there's more that we can do that we would like to see enabled by uh, legislation and seeing the government to further expand and enhance our scope of practice to allow pharmacists to do more for patients. What is it then that pharmacists now offer that they wouldn't have offered a few years ago that might have slipped some people's minds? Well, I mean, even just going back a few years ago, um, it was new for pharmacists to be able to give patients a flu shot, which was a, a great expansion and a great opportunity for our members to be able to, to go out and talk to people about ways of preventing disease. And just recently, we've seen a further expansion in our scope as it relates to vaccinations. We're now able to uh, vaccinate for an expanded list of vaccines that helps us to protect against 13 other preventable diseases, including hepatitis and shingles, uh, meningitis, and pneumococcal disease, typhoid, as all as examples. And so these are areas where, you know, that that addition of, of scope uh, opens up our ability to, to demonstrate the, the role that we can play in, in uh, helping people with their health care. Um, pharmacists also are, are doing more for people in, as far as managing the chronic diseases, have play an integral role in, in diabetes management. And we see in many provinces in Canada, pharmacists are assessing and treating for common ailments. And uh, that's an example of something that we would like to see in Ontario as well. And the next time someone goes down to their local pharmacy, all they really have to do as they're waiting in line possibly with a prescription uh, or waiting to pick up, they can look around and they'll see there are now areas, a lot more so, you see areas that are adjacent to the counter where people can go, uh, customers can go to, to talk, to consult. Absolutely. And I think that's something that, that most pharmacists would be delighted if a patient asked if they could uh, have a private consultation. Again, years ago, the government enabled uh, something called a meds check, which is a private one-on-one 20 to 30 minute medication review that goes over with patients uh, and the pharmacist to go over uh, how the medication should be taking, whether they're the right medication for them. So, and really focusing on the, the cognitive role that pharmacists play in the process. We've always known that pharmacists are a trusted healthcare professional and we do a great job as far as, you know, dispensing the right medication for the right patient at the right time. But there's more to it that pharmacists can offer as far as, you know, providing advice to, to patients. If they think they're on a medication that may not be right for them, we can, we can make a suggestion to find an alternative or, uh, medication that may be better. So there's lots that can go into it. And so certainly people, uh, when they see those, those private like, counseling rooms, and um, I think most pharmacists would be absolutely thrilled if, if a patient asked if they could have a, a private consultation with them. What other services do you think pharmacists would like to offer? Well, we already have some scope as it relates to providing smoking cessation counseling. In Ontario, we'd like to see that expanded right now. It's only funded for a certain segment of the population, and and we think that pharmacists could play a a stronger role in that if it was rolled out for the entire population. That's that's definitely one thing. And and again, I I touched on the, the common ailment prescribing piece, which is something that that we've seen in other provinces and and our colleagues in Alberta are are even able to prescribe more broadly. And I think if those limitations are taken off of the scope of practice, it just, it gives our pharmacists a better ability to be able to meet more of the healthcare needs of patients and work better with other professionals, including patients, primary care providers, to ensure that patients are meeting their 
their own health objectives and keeping them out of, you know, emergency rooms and walk-in clinics and other places that get clogged up. And by doing these things, and in addition to what Elsie would like to do, this would make for an even more efficient, effective system? Well, you'd think so. I mean, we have highly skilled doctors in this province, as we all know, and we would be more than happy to be able to help deal with these more common conditions that the treatments are fairly, I guess they're fairly easily treated um, as far as following algorithms. And and those are things that that pharmacists are comfortable and able to do. And uh, if we can keep those people with common conditions out of the doctor's office and out of the emergency rooms, you would think that that would lead those professionals to be able to deal with the more complicated and more urgent matters. So we think it would offer more capacity to the healthcare system. And for that reason, we think it's a win-win situation for everyone. Sean Simpson, chair of the Ontario Pharmacists Association on March being Pharmacist Awareness Month. Thanks for your time, Sean. Thank you. That's Sean Simpson from the Ontario Pharmacists Association during Pharmacist Awareness Month. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Cleaning can be, at best, a boring chore, and at worst, a waste of an entire day. When we return, the author of a book on cleaning will help us see the bright side of it all. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Do you like cleaning around the house? Do you know anyone who does? It's a chore that most of us know just needs to be done. But one author is trying to put the fun back into furniture polish. Melissa Maker has written a book called Clean My Space, The Secret to Cleaning Better, Faster, and Loving Your Home Every Day, and joins me now in studio. Melissa, why the book? The book I put out because people who follow me on YouTube and read the blog, you know, cleanmyspace.com, they were all asking for all of the information to be in one concise place. And I figured a book was a great way to do it. The other thing is that I wanted to share some insights as well as a method that I had been toying around with in a book. I didn't want to do it on YouTube. I didn't want to do it on a website. I felt like the book was the best way to get the message out. So that's why. Now... With the book, obviously we're not going to go through everything here, but let's make it simple for those who maybe haven't caught you on YouTube um, and find this interesting saying, yeah, I want to work smart. I don't want to work too hard. I work hard enough as it is, so let's find an easier way to do it. You have a three-step method? I do, yeah. In the book, um, I call it the Maker Method, which is great because it's after my last name, the Maker Method. And it's very simple, and I designed it because I wanted it to be accessible to anyone. You know, anyone, whether they like cleaning or they don't like cleaning, I still want to get you there as quickly as possible. So the first step in the maker method is determining your MIAs or your most important areas. And I find, you know, cleaning can feel so overwhelming because you walk into a space and you think, oh my gosh, I have to clean everything. And the truth is you don't have to clean everything all the time. You have to clean everything some of the time. And then the things that are really important to you, those are the ones that you can focus on on a rather frequent basis. So the MIA activity at the beginning of the book, really important to do because it sort of takes a big weight off your shoulders. And then the second step is figuring out the PTTs or the products, the tools, and the techniques. And I started a cleaning company here in the city um, about 11 years ago, and I kind of had to learn everything about cleaning from the ground up. 
I re-engineered the way that it was done because I saw a lot of inefficiencies. And then I taught my staff how to do it. Our clients loved our work. And that's what I teach in the book. I teach my products, tools, and techniques in sort of a cookbook or a recipe format. So it's super simple. And then I finish off by coming up with schedules and routines. That's the third part of the maker method. So we figure out how can we tweak our routines to include a little bit of cleaning each day and how can we build in cleaning to our daily schedules, weekly, monthly schedules, so that the things that we don't necessarily want to focus on all the time, like baseboards, are still getting done. Another aspect of our busy lives we like to entertain more so than maybe even our our parents did and and our grandparents. You find find out somebody's coming over or they're going to be coming over in a day and then, oh my God, I got to clean. Yeah. The express clean. Yeah, the express clean is so helpful. I put one in at the beginning of each chapter. So each chapter is, you know, one room is one chapter. So if you open up the bathroom chapter, for example, you'll see a bathroom express clean. It's sort of like the drive-through version of a cleaning, you know, if the full cleaning is like a nice sit-down steak dinner. And you basically learn exactly how to clean a space so that a guest is impressed. It's sort of like a little bit of trickery. Um, And you can get a place looking really great really quickly in under, you know, usually 10 minutes or less. And that way, anybody who walks in will think, wow, this place looks pretty great. You know all your dirty secrets. You can deal with those later. But I just want to help you have your space look nice and tidy for your guests. In a lot of homes, at least one, if not maybe two people do the cleaning. Yeah. And others are spectators. So how do you get them off, how do you get them off the sidelines? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, there are a lot of spectators when it comes to cleaning. Um, so that's a great question too because you know a lot of parents read this book and they say, how do I get my kids to clean? And the interesting thing is, you know cleaning, if we're taught from a young age that you know if we don't clean something, we're going to get in trouble, well, that's pretty demotivating. No one really wants to participate. but What I've been advising is for parents to find age-appropriate cleaning tasks for their kids and also to figure out an appropriate amount of time to expect their kids to clean. So it's not really reasonable to say to a 7-year-old, you have to clean for 30 minutes. But if you say you, you have to clean for 10 minutes, that's more like it. And then the other thing, too, is to you know include a lot of positive reinforcement. So even if they didn't do something perfectly, still letting them know that they did a great job. Because you want them to get that like positive zing from cleaning instead of feeling negative. They won't want to do it again otherwise. Is there something that maybe we haven't covered a point you'd like to to leave with someone who's had it up to here with cleaning? (laughs) Yeah, certainly. So I'm all about, you know, not spending more time cleaning. I don't like cleaning. I think that's pretty relatable. I think a lot of people don't like cleaning. And this book isn't designed to make you stay in your house and clean all day. This book is designed to do the opposite because I really believe cleaning is a life skill. And i personally believe, and I've had this experience myself, that when my space is clean, I have a better life. So even though I can't stand it, I've found ways to negotiate and make it work for me so that at least I can feel happy and healthy at home, but not have to sacrifice all of my wonderful free time to do something I don't love. It's really doable. Melissa Maker, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That's the author and YouTube sensation, Melissa Maker. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Wilson Pickett would have been 76 this week. More on his story when we return. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today 
visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Komsik in for Libby Zneimer this week. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Nearly 20 years since the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, an exhibition at Kensington Palace features her iconic outfits. Included is the gown Princess Diana wore when she was whisked around the White House dance floor by John Travolta in 1985. Gown designer Victor Edelstein says that marked Diana's coming of age. It's not a girlish dress, so perhaps that's also what made it sort of so noticeable. And dancing with John Travolta helps. The clothes on display cover the period from Diana's marriage to Prince Charles to their divorce. Refugees are the focus of the biggest and latest installation by Chinese dissident artist Ai Weiwei at the National Gallery in Prague. Law of the Journey features a 70-meter-long inflatable boat with nearly 260 oversized refugee figures. It'll be on display through the rest of the year. This weekend, Rodeo Houston 2017 features Zoomer legend Willie Nelson. All the girls I've loved before who traveled in and out my door. Willie celebrates his 84th birthday in a month. And this weekend's third annual Melbourne Art Book Fair brings together international and local publishers in a session of free talks, book launches, performance, and stalls featuring art, design, architecture, and photography publications from around the world. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, the great Wilson Pickett would have celebrated his 76th birthday Pickett was born on March 18th in Prattville, Alabama. He grew up singing in Baptist church choirs and developed a passionate, forceful vocal style. In the mid to late 50s, he sang with a gospel group named The Violinaires. By 1960, he'd left the group to pursue his solo career. He signed with Atlantic Records, and after releasing a few songs that failed to chart, he recorded his breakout hit in the midnight hour. It was the first of many hit singles that also include Mustang Sally, Funky Broadway, and this one recorded in 1966 at Fame Studios in Alabama. Here is Land of a Thousand Dances. One, two, three. One, two, three. That was Land of a Thousand Dances by Wilson Pickett, born March 18, 1941. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick in for Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today, and be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Dave Woodard, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.